Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to share today's podcast because we interview two people that are very important in my life. And today I finally got to meet them. They are Sarah Edmondson and Anthony Nippy Ames from HBO's The Vow. Have you seen it, Todd? Um, I saw a few of them, but not with the consistency that you did. It's a documentary about Nexium, a self-improvement group whose leader, Keith Raniere, was convicted of sex trafficking, racketeering, conspiracy, and other crimes. Years ago, I listened to the Escaping Nexium podcast featuring Sarah and then heard her again on Leah Remini and Mike Rinder's Scientology Fair Game podcast. She mentioned that she and Nippy would be hosting a weekly podcast called A Little Bit Culty. On this podcast, they share their stories and they talk with other survivors and cult experts to help people understand, heal from, and avoid abusive situations. And I have never missed an episode. Sweetie, you're the real deal. You're a you're one of those uh, fans, like the people that go out and get the the iPhone the first day it's available. Yes. If there's a new podcast, you're on it. I know. Well, especially when it talks about this kind of stuff. Longtime listeners know that I've had plenty of experiences that border on culty as a lifelong self help devotee and a member of the wellness community. And just being someone who is always trying to learn more and grow more and go deeper, which is why I recognize my own story and Sarah and Nippy's story and why we should all recognize that cultish influence is all around us. It can show up in the way we use language and jargon in our communities and our groups and, of course, our politics. None of us are completely immune to it. The experiences that Sarah and Nippy share are more universal than we may think, especially to those of us who consider ourselves seekers or those of us who consider ourselves teachers, coaches, or healers. We have to pay attention to how power can distort and how a certain status, belief, or community can make us feel more special than other people. As I've heard these two say repeatedly, nobody joins a cult. <laughs> we get involved in things that can initially feel right or good and maybe even aligned with our highest ideals. But when it feels less right and good and when warning bells start to go off, do we listen? Do we trust ourselves to question rather than double down? Watching these two share their story so openly has inspired me to be more open about my own history and the unhealthy things I've seen in my own industry. As we discuss on today's podcast, it can be a very fine line between healing and harming. Someone or something that has helped us can unfortunately also end up hurting us, or even more difficult, something that ended up being really bad still had something good in it. As Sarah says today, we don't need to throw out the baby with the bathwater, and I fully agree. And as parents, we need to talk to our kids about this, how a relationship can initially feel good, but then maybe become abusive, or how we can slowly be pulled into something that initially feels really cool, but then it becomes uncomfortable. And most important, probably the most important theme of ZPR is how we can teach our kids to trust themselves, to question what doesn't feel right ask for help, and build a relationship with them where they know we are available to listen and support. So this was a special hour for me to meet two people who I have respected so much from afar. But it absolutely wasn't enough time for all of you to appreciate the impact they have made. So make sure you subscribe to their A Little Bit Culty podcast. And if you haven't already, watch The Vow on HBO, and then The Vow Part 2 is coming out October 17th. And Sarah also has a book called Scarred, the true story of how I escaped Nexium, the cult that bound my life. And we're actually going to give a copy away on our Instagram page, right, Todd? That's right. Okay. So thank you for listening and enjoy. Here we go. 
my name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 675. And why listen to Zen Parenting? Wow. <laughs> we've been doing it for a while. That's amazing. I <laughs> thought we were pros at like, we've got, we're like number 54 or something. Yeah. <laughs> 50 there. under our belt. Well, no, and, you guys are. And we're recording on Monday, September 12th, and this is going up tomorrow. Like we just press record and go and I don't do much editing. No, that's great. Um, but why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because it'll help you to feel outstanding and always remember our motto, which we stole from Dr. Dan Siegel, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. We have two wonderful guests with us, Sarah Edmondson and Anthony Nippy Ames. And sweetie, I know we're going to do an intro, but sure. why don't you just do your best to see how these two people have influenced you? Well, these are my two friends, even though I've never met them in person before, because I have been following their story for, I don't know, you guys, how long has it been? A couple of years? Like when did five. Five we've been years. out five years? Yeah, and so and that's the thing is I also say things like, "Oh, this happened two years ago, and it happened a decade ago." Yeah. So don't <laughs> mind. No, that's just that's just aging yourself. It is. Yeah, it right? is. Yeah. Like my daughter's like twenty, and I'll talk about something that happened when she was eleven, and Todd's like, "That was like a full decade ago." <laughs> um, but I have been since the beginning. Um, I'm trying to think of the first time I was introduced to Sarah. I think it was es uh, Escaping Nexium, which was a podcast that. <laughs> randomly was like a friend of yours from preschool or something like that, Sarah, right? Yeah. Josh Block from daycare. That's right. And so what I want to do before we like jump into that is I, because I listen to your podcast and I know you guys kind of have your, you know, your five minutes down of like, and it can be as long as you want it to be, but your story. Um, so then when Todd and I launch in with our questions, people already know, you know, the, the basics of what happened, even though there's lots of layers and nuance and all sorts of things. So do you want to do that first? Either of you, both of you. Don't want to do it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have had to hone it because it yeah. is very complicated, and you know why we love that the vow exists or a <clears throat> book exists, so I can refer people to the different things that happen along the way, so people understand it. But the elevator, you know, or the short version, which I've had to say a lot since we've gotten to Atlanta, when people are like, "Wait, what's your story?" and <laughs> "Where do you meet your husband?" I go, well, here's the short version. Um, my husband and I met in a personal and professional development program. We were in for 12 and 16 years, respect, uh, respect, <laughs> respectively. Respectively. Sorry. I was like about to say res respectfully. <laughs> respectively. And respectfully too. And also, yeah, mm. both. And we were part of what we thought was a really beautiful community of like-minded people. Very similar, I think, to probably the people in your community on your show, people who want to be the best versions of themselves and to learn and to grow and work through their challenges and limitations. And there were wonderful things there, truly. Um, over the years, there were many challenges and red flags and things I didn't understand to be red flags, but later realized that I was overriding my gut instinct that something wasn't right. And those feelings were always over um, overshadowed or in a good way, there was always enough good until there wasn't. And when we figured out what was actually going on behind closed doors in the inner circle of this organization, of which we were not part of, um, my husband and I and a number of other people decided to become whistleblowers. We originally went to law enforcement that didn't do anything. Then we went to the media. Um, I was on the front page of the New York Times showing my brand. And that, again, is another complicated, nuanced part of the story. But here is the book. Um, I was branded in part as a part of what was supposed to be an initiation ceremony into a secret society for women. And 
thought I was getting a tattoo. It turned out to be a brand. But the key thing that woke me up is that I was lied to about the nature of the brand. And we found out that it was the leader's initials in a sort of cryptic monogram. That was one of the many things that came to a head at the end where we realized, you know, how bad this thing was. And that brand on the cover of the New York Times is what led to an investigation in the Eastern District of New York, which led to a trial, which led to the leader, the leader Keith Raniere, being put into jail for 120 years. And five years probation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was all captured in a docuseries called The Vow on HBO. <clears throat> and I also wrote a, a book about it, my memoir, Scarred, which you just held up. Thank you, mm -hmm. Kathy. And then from the vow, people still wanted to know more. And because this was this happened in COVID, we birthed our podcast a little bit culty. Now we help people see the red flags so they don't join a cult or get out of a cult if they're in one or heal from, from cultic abuse or abusive mm. um, power dynamics if they've been in something like that. And now it's our lives. Mm. How's that? Yeah. Nippy, what, if anything, did she miss from that five minutes? Ooh, I just have to back up. Is that what you tell everyone that asks you? No, We're no. Here. I mean, I, I have a shorter, <laughs> shorter version. Because I just say we met online. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say we met in a cult. We got out of a cult. Now we're yeah. recovering from the cult. That's, you know, you know I, I'd say, you know, my story is similar. I'd say the difference and I'd say the most compelling thing to mention when you're talking about your own story is, is every story is case by case and how you get in, I think, is the important thing for people to remember. Normally, it's someone that's that you trust or have known for a long time or someone you respect or admire. People tend to think. Um, oh, you know, you were vulnerable and susceptible. Everyone's susceptible to your friends suggesting something, <clears throat> you know, and that was that was more my case. And it was an old high school girlfriend and I was still somewhat interested. And I said, what, what's the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> you found <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's how benign it can happen. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, long story short, I was involved for about two years left the organization, but didn't leave under bad terms. I just didn't believe that it was going to achieve its mission. It didn't seem to have the infrastructure or the right people in place. It's gone for about three years, but I would take a training like, you know, once a year maybe. And I came back in 2006 after I'd done it and it was a totally different organization and had way more credible people. It had people that were actually achieving things out in the world and they were in line with what was going on. It, it tended to blend both worlds of creativity for acting and and movies and, and that genre versus personal professional development. And it had grown to multiple countries in a short time. So I, was, I said, wow, it, it's actually happening. It's actually uh, gaining some momentum. So it seemed to be kind of quote working in that sense. And then I was involved from there on out until, you know, Sarah's story hit and we were forced to pivot. Mm. Yeah. And that's, you know, like part of the reason that I love your story and I love how much you share. And I know a really important part of, I think, The Vow and your podcast is to make sure people understand um, when we say how this happens, that how no one is immune to this. And and right. part of that is that I, I think I shared with Sarah is that I have been a lifelong self-help devotee. And I say that with a very balanced um, perspective because I've been harmed by the industry and I've been helped by the industry. And I find sure. that 
there's been a lot of things that I've almost gotten involved in, um, one of them being Scientology, when my chiropractor told me not to become a therapist, but to become a Scientologist and offered to pay for everything for me. Um, and this was when I was young. I was like 25 years old. And so I, wow. I, I lived in Chicago. I used to walk by the Lincoln on Lincoln Avenue. I lived right by it. I used to walk by it back and forth thinking, okay, I could just do this instead. And my whole point is, you guys, that's one of like 20 stories of how I could have gotten involved in something mm -hmm. that went on more long term. You know, Todd's been with me through some of them where I've had to get pulled out um, in, you know, and again, it's it's not comparing stories. It's just more about I'm I so relate to both of you. And <clears throat> and and I think more people should understand well, how this is all well, of us. Thank you for that. And yeah. the thing I've said in multiple podcasts and I think is kind of my lane or my message or my soundbite, if you will. Um, if you think you are the kind of person who won't fall for something like this, in a lot of ways, you're the most susceptible. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And I think, I think I was that guy, you know, I was like, you know, had that kind of cocky flippant thing to it. And that was my weak spot. Yeah. I was advertising my vulnerability in a lot of ways by thinking I couldn't. Mm -hmm. Well, especially, ahead, especially Sarah. because somebody like you, I think in the, you know, when we joined in the early mid two thousands, this is not the age of now where there's so much cult content mm -hmm. and awareness out there. This is at a time when <clears> we <throat> think of cult, when we thought of cults, it was white robes and mm -hmm. drinking blood and, sure. you know, biblical verses and, ch you know, speaking in tongues, you know, things, things that like are clearly culty, you know, and I, people don't suspect self-help to be, I mean, I do now, right. <laughs> I do now hundred percent. And I'm very skeptical, mm -hmm. but to your point earlier, Kathy, if we'd met, like if I'd heard your podcast when I was in Nexium, I would have emailed you mm -hmm. and I would have invited you to do a training because you would have been the perfect candidate because you are the type of person that recognizes you're here and you want to be here. I'm using two hands. Like you want to, you know, there's a bridge of growth to grow on, which I still believe in. Mm -hmm. And we thought we had the best tools for that. Exactly. And Sarah, I would have gone, yeah. you know, and we would, would have been friends. Exactly. And you would have opened up a chapter exactly. in your hometown. That's exactly why I'm <laughs> saying that you two are my friends is because yeah. I explained to Todd, I mean, not just it, first of all, just the experience and what you guys wanted and that you wanted to do good in the world and that you wanted to, you know, help people, all of those kind of things, which is kind of all of me, but also even your relationship. I mean, Nippy, when I hear you on the show, you're so similar to my husband, Sarah, all of the things like I, you know, all of the things that you say, the, the, the challenges you've had, the spiritual abuse that you've experienced that I have too, that we're also still trying to find this like place where I, I'm not giving all of it up. Some of it has been very helpful to me and, and some of it is part of my DNA. It's not something I learned. It's something I know intuitively. And so it's like that balance of figuring out the, the help and the harm and trying to you know, keep channeling that into the world, but I'm so much more skeptical. Um, I, and, and Nippy, I wanted to say, or ask you this, like I, Todd runs a, a men's group, an international men's group, and he does a wonderful job, but I've been really on his case over the last couple of years about, um, jargon because mm -hmm. I have a history with jargon. I think that jargon, as you, you guys know, you, you know, Amanda Montel's book, all of that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And, and I, I'm just, will you kind of explain what SOP was in Nexium and what the goal was and how, and like, because like you said, I know you've always been a little more like as an, an you were a little more of an outsider with Nexium. I don't know if that's the right word, but maybe not as invested. I wasn't targeted. So I can't say that I wouldn't have been susceptible if my, if someone had crafted their whole objective to do something to me. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think I was more left alone in a sense because I didn't fit a profile, mm -hmm. but I didn't think it was, it was because I was any less intelligent or anything has anything to do with that. I just wasn't targeted. You weren't targeted. And were you not targeted because right. you weren't a woman? I think. And I yeah. think you were targeted in a different way. I think yeah. they targeted yeah, I was you used be, in a different way. Probably. He was used but as we like can a only handsome, speculate. Yeah. handsome I'll actor say this. A handsome that, actor, football that's, player. That's how she uses me. <laughs> well, but it's true. Like if you go to a seminar and there's, and there's like somebody like Nippy at the front with a suit on, you're like, oh, yeah. here's an alpha male who's also kind of sensitive talking about his feelings. You know, that, yeah, that, that's think, how uh, they used you, sure, I think. Sure, well, and, sure. It's so funny because Kathy and I had like a Zen parenting meeting and we never have Zen parenting meetings like two months ago. She's like, <laughs> I'm not a fan of meetings. I'm she like, hates just meetings. do it. Just wow. Just talk about it. Yeah, I don't like them. It's the other way around here. Really? That's <laughs> No, I love meetings. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So we're, we're on our front porch just talking, which is a meeting. And she's like, let's get, um, let's get. Because it's out of 675 episodes, about 625 of them has, has just been Kathy and I. But she's like, let's get some really good guests. And she and then she came back. She's like, I got Sarah Nippy. I'm like, great. Who are Sarah Nippy again? And she talked about uh, Nexium and all that. I'm like, is this the volleyball guy? Like, that's literally how, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always the one like walking in and out, whether she's watching Going Clear or watching Nexium or right. any number of culty documentaries. And let and stop there. Let me say something to the audience listening. I am not watching these for the salacious details. Like this is not about the sex cult stuff. This is this is about I'm a therapist. My whole like everything is human behavior to me. And it's and it there's a self-help I'm putting this in air quotes everybody component to it cuz <clears throat> I see how I got involved too. Like there is a I'm getting like this therapeutic, you know, the intervention as I'm watching it, because I'm like, I see how people do this, the belonging, the understanding. I have been these people. I am these people. And I, mm -hmm. and so I, it, all of them, MLMs, everything, I'm like, we are all these people. And so I, so I just want to say that to people listening, because I think a lot of people watch cult shows and murder shows for salacious details, which for is sure. fine. Um, but I really, I see, I have a great deal of respect for what people are willing to put out there. You're inspired by the people that get out. Yeah. You said that a million times. Well, and you me. two are my favorite. Yeah. Because well, I, I, and I'd say the filmmakers did a good job of seeking yes. to understand it as well, which I think is the journey you're following. There's certain documentaries that, that not only demonstrate that they want to understand it, they want to shame it and put yeah. it in the proper judgment box that it is. Mm -hmm. And that does, you, no one learns from that. You just fortify your belief that you wouldn't fall for something like that. But if you have a nuanced approach like the Val did, people can go, holy shit, that could have been me. Mm -hmm. And if you walk away from it from that, number one, the filmmakers have done their job. And I think our story has served someone else's life in a positive way. Sure. Exactly. Um, so... Um, there's so but many you didn't, Kathy, you did want me to address. Oh, yeah. Jordan yeah, I wanted you to address SOP. SOP because we're in, and tell us, um, first of all, what SOP stands for so everybody understands, but also, weren't you like a leader of SOP? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so will you, will you explain what that is? Okay, so I'll do SOP, then I'll do jargon because okay. they kind of relate. Um, <clears throat> so SOP was sold like this Society of Protectors. And there's a video that Keith actually recorded himself on what his vision quote vision for SOP was, which I think is um, him leveraging other people's ideology for his own purpose under the guise that they're doing something good, but that's not really what he's doing. And it was sold as such. Um, we live in a, f a male dominated female influence world where a lot of the structures in place are built by men and tend to have an imbalance of the feminine energy. 
SOP is a place where men can come discuss their feelings, get more sensitive to how they might be abusing their power, and usher in a more feminine society so it's more balanced. Got it. Right? And it leveraged men's um, desire to protect, to provide, and those sorts of things. And it talked about the upsides and downsides of that. And so really it was a place where you could talk about the masculine principles, how it's a tool and how it can be used for good and how it can be used for bad. Mm -hmm. And that was in contrast to what the women's curriculum was, which was the Jeunesse curriculum, which is supposed to be all women, but it was founded by a man. That's a whole nother thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a place where women can discuss the feminine principle unencumbered, untouched by men's definition of it. Sounds Other noble. than a man running it. <laughs> but sounds noble, right? Right, yeah. right. So you can see how what Yanni Lalich calls moral injury comes mm. into place. You are unwittingly supporting something that had a clandestine agenda. And a lot of that comes, a lot of the stories I've read about this and, and seen subsequently have come from soldiers who've gone to other countries under the guise they're fighting for freedom, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And they're doing things that don't necessarily represent that and they have the awareness that they're actually accelerating someone else's agenda for oil or whatever <clears throat> and that's called moral injury and when i kind of did my work and homework on what i felt like happened that was the one that resonated the most with me because mm -hmm. i was aligned with someone who was like doing those behaviors and and i think subsequently i've learned that the men's group was just something for him to appease the men and make abuse normal mm. So. Can I add something to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all, all the curriculum had what we've, you know, I talk about this in my book too, like what we thought it was and then what it actually was. Based well, on Kathy what we've talks learned. about it in the beginning yeah. when she introduces, she's like, yeah. this place was doing good mm -hmm. and it was, it was doing right. bad. So, yeah. so we, we eventually like, just like the men got to take the Jeunesse training, the women got to take the SOP training. And part of my, I, 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 I liked it at the time to a degree. Um, but I also feel like because we spent like six grand on a eight day training, if you were bought in, you had to like it because like, if you, you didn't were gonna then, find something, yeah, good. you'd find something to like. So what I liked about it, as I say that loosely is that I was by the way, paying to join a boot camp, and I was going through an emotional and physical boot camp with a bunch of guys and they were going to treat me how a little boy would be treated, not a little girl. Mm -hmm. And I was going through it and not being coddled. I, was, I wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom. I mean, I could go to the bathroom, but then I'd get teased mm -hmm. or like called out in some way. I couldn't carry around my coffee and my green juice and my water and all my things and my blanket. And I had to just sit up straight and answer, do the breakout groups like, like you would in any, any normal personal development group. And it, while it was painful and I hated it and probably almost got a bladder infection, to be honest, mm -hmm. Cause I didn't want to get called out and I wanted to be tough. I wanted to prove that I could like be a good soldier and do it right. Um, I, I actually like, I, what I got out of it was a lot of very good feedback about how I present as a woman in the world and how that may be limiting me in say a business meeting. If I'm being too flirty or like wearing too much of a cleavagey top or talking in tangents or giving well, too much backstory. Articulate yeah. it. Like, the idea was, if a woman's using her assets to get something, to be more sensitive to that, 
Yeah. And that was helpful. That's the noble yeah. kind of yeah. way abuse was presented. Mm. If yes. that makes sense. But then it was abusive when you didn't fall in line and people were like humiliated. Yeah. At, that's actually because yeah. I've watched The Vow more than once. Um, and that's the episode that I don't watch more than once. Is I think it's hard. yeah, it's it's a rough one for me. And Todd, that's the one I had you watch with me, mm-hmm. um, because I was like, this is that fine line. Of, because even the way you talk about it, Sarah, it's so you guys walk such a good line of like, there are always things to learn. This these are such hard things to talk about for people because we're in such mm-hmm. a binary culture of either right. it's good or yeah. bad, or it's either you know you failed or you won. And there's this weird line of like, we all want to learn things about ourselves. But the shame component in that episode, and I, I'm, you know, I know it's more than that. That was edited and everything, is yeah. so you're doing the opposite. So it's like this constant mm-hmm. zigzag. Well, yeah. so it's it's presented in the context of after the men had gone through some of the fe- women's curriculum is that because men are ushered in society and aren't don't have places that nurture their emotions in the same way that women do, and these are broad strokes. Mm-hmm. These aren't like mm-hmm. you know. Not every home's like that. Like, I'm, I'm talking in terms of like stereotypes. Yeah, you know, stereotypes, and mm-hmm. that certainly was the case in my house with one with four boys, and we were all kind of alphas and playing football. You know, you didn't bring your emotions to the dinner table. So the Jeunesse curriculum for men was a place where they could bring their emotions mm-hmm. and not have that kind of judgment. So it had the kind of feminine approach. So you trusted it, and then when you come take the men's curriculum, women will under, get more of an inductive experience of what it was like for men to grow up. Mm-hmm. including so, being humiliated. So this mm-hmm. is how, this is how the curriculum's presented. Mm-hmm. So the women think they're going in really seeking to understand men and the origin of how men become the way they are. And they might get that, but in the process they're going to be treated like little boys. And it was weird, you know, there's a handful of trainings. It was weird to kind of figure out those boundaries because you're these are also your friends that you're treating. Miss mm-hmm. uh, Edmondson, sit up straight, please. You know, it was stuff like that. But that is the context in which that sold. And it doesn't sound bad. It actually right. sounded and felt like we were doing something positive. So we knew we were <clears throat> going to be humiliated, but that was part of the boot camp. Yeah. Which is, which I feel like wasn't clever. totally explained in the Listen, vow. It's, it's, well, it's also very clever. And I think that's what yeah. people need to understand. Some people go, oh, I would never, I would never. Really? What rules are you following in your life right now mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. five years ago you wouldn't be following? Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't be enforcing other people. It can happen quickly. So like I say, if you're sitting there hearing this and thinking, oh, that can never happen to me, you're a candidate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's like small things, you guys. Like this isn't in, in comparison to that. But I remember I was part of a spiritual book club and, you know, we were all so lovey-dovey and we were talking about this wonderful book. And then the leader all of a sudden was like, okay, we're going to start to do this thing where you have to be on time. And if you're not, we're going to lock the door and you have to sit outside and wait. And Uh, it was right. Exactly. And it was done under the guise of this is our spiritual growth. And we already love each other. So we're doing this because we love each other. And I remember I had I have three daughters and they were young at the time and I was late. And she's like, you'll wait out here and you'll miss and you'll experience it. And I that's the thing is you go home and you feel like crap and you're like, okay, but you feel like crap. You think it's your fault. You know, instead of I was just treated and humiliated for this, it you think I was late. So again, and, it, it, and it's different than maybe the, that's the thing is we all have to like listen to this and bring in our own experiences of when did we have, you guys said at the beginning, the red flags and and how did they, Todd, you were going to bring up something about you heard on their show about the sixth sense thing that you really liked. Um, the way I prepared for this interview 
because I never know like, oh yeah, I could read Sarah's book, but I, part of me, it's just pure laziness. So I didn't read Sarah's <laughs> book, but the other part is I want to like, look at this through the lens of a listener who may had not know who Nexium is and doesn't right. know who Keith Raniere is. So I listened to the first two podcasts that you guys did, um, a little bit culty podcast. And then I listened to the Mike Rinder one because I got a total man crush on Mike Rinder. It's just He's awesome. The best. We love Mike. We, just, and we met him in July. Did oh. you? He's, he's as advertised. Yes. He's great. I just love that guy. I love that yeah, guy. He's awesome. And I love I actually have his bobblehead in yes. the kitchen. Yes. Like I, someone gave it to me as a joke because they We're know I get love one. it. Good. You We're got it. Um, put it in my car. So, but in, I think the first one, you guys talked about the end of the movie, The Sixth Sense and spoiler alert at the end of the movie, Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. So if you look at the, if you rewatch the movie, all these dots start getting connected and in a way that you never would have been able to do. And you guys use that illustration as an example of how you can look at what you participated in through a a separate lens. And I don't know if Mm -hmm. you want to expound on that, but I thought it was something that helped me. Can can I hit this one up? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Ironically, this is something that it's a metaphor that Keith gave. We use a lot of metaphors in Nexium. Okay, all the time to explain things. And he, it was a metaphor that he gave us to have people understand that what the curriculum felt like. And I used it when I pitched it. I said, you're not, you know, our curriculum is inductive. You have these experiences where you go, oh, and it's not just reading it in a book and it's like more integrated. Because once you know X, Y, and Z, you can't unlearn it. Like Sixth Sense, once you know Bruce Willis is dead, you can't go back and watch it without that perspective. So I feel like, and then, and then that again, that happened to us. Once you know Keith Raniere is a sociopath, mm-hmm. you can't forget that and think about anything that happened without through that, you know, not looking at it through that lens. Like, oh, there's Vanguard Week where we have 10 days of celebrations like camp. No, it's 10 days for him to be idolized and have access to a fresh edit, supply of women edit, from around edit. the world. Okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I edited it there. I felt, no, it's fine. Well done. I yeah. felt it coming. <laughs> I have another way of saying that. Say yes, I know. Way. That's what I was. I know. I caught it. I'm good. I'm doing well for your audience. Well, and, and um, for anybody who hasn't seen it, Keith Raniere um, had a lot of sexual relationships with without consent and things like that, right? So not everybody knows shouldn't that. have been. Yes. Yeah. Well, the thing is, what was tricky is, is he did get consent, mm. but it was under a false premise. Got he, it. Thank you. He, and he did it. Um, I, not through with me, but what I've heard from other women is that it would start with, you know, inviting them to a project or to to be a part of a new team within the company, and then he'd start mentoring the person one on one and recognize and point out that they had relationship issues, and then offer to help with those relationship issues, which also included being in a relationship with him, mm. and then eventually the woman would find out that it was not just with her, but he was doing this with multiple women, but they had to keep that as a secret, and that's how he was able to to do this on, you know, on the DL with so many of us, like Nippy and I, and a lot of, a lot of the leadership didn't know that was happening. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't he say so. he was celibate, you guys? Well, that's what we were told. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's like, what we were told by multiple First people. question I asked, one of the first questions I asked was the person that enrolled me was, is he sleeping with these people? Mm-hmm. Is he having, is any of that stuff going on? One of the first things I asked, mm-hmm. I said, no, mm-hmm. he's celibate. <laughs> so let that set in. Um, mm-hmm. I, so I don't know how many people, you know, Scientology, I feel like is, is the, the first example I got about a cult other than the Charlie Manson stuff and all that stuff. Um, and what was I going to say about that? 
uh, oh, so I don't know how many people are going to be in proximity with somebody who like whatever the next Nexium is or the next Scientology is. There's, there's, I mean, I know it's big, but I also think when you talk about the self-help industry, the personal growth industry, which we consider ourselves a part of. That's the weirdest part. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think our listeners would benefit from, uh, obviously we can talk about the extreme examples like Nexium, but I, I, I would love for either of you to help, help me and the rest of the listeners understand what to watch out for. Because it's funny, the four of us have a lot of similarities. We're married, we do a podcast together, mm-hmm. and as far as I can tell from knowing you two for a short while, is we want to empower people to trust themselves. Don't yes. do it the, because this is the way we do it. Listen to us, and if you don't like what we have to say, then Let do the go. opposite. Yeah. I don't care. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. What are some of the things that, and whether it's multi-level marketing or neuro-linguistics programming, which I don't completely understand, just anything that you guys can share to help our listeners be on the lookout for certain things? Sure. It's a lot of things. We just go one, back and forth. Mm-hmm. Well, I think explaining the bite model mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. a little bit. Sure. And then just do you want to do that? And then information. Okay. So there's a, there's, I don't want to send your audience to go do more homework. So I'll abbreviate what I think are great, like cheat sheet, mm-hmm. if you will, to what to look out for. A guy named Stephen Hassan has something called the bite model. And the bite is B-I-T-E, uh, behavior, information, thoughts, and emotions. And anything that seeks to gain control or inform or impress itself upon you in the realm of your behavior, i.e. rules, like you're late, you can't come out like you experienced, mm-hmm. right? Um, information, anything that tries to control the information that you have, Keith is celibate, right? Thoughts. Don't watch the news. <laughs> thoughts. And here's where, here's where I think the jargon aspect, the question you asked earlier, we can come back into thoughts. I can expand on that in a second. Thoughts, anything that treats, seeks to inform your thoughts and control that. And then your emotions, shaming you, obligating you, dangling the carrot in front of you, certain things that the kind of personality types will and there's other things following the leader and stuff like that. But those four elements and those four things are red flags or they're not. Like, do your homework. Like, is this rule here for a principle? And you'll start to figure, people start to figure it out that like, you know, in life, certain things come on. But those four things, I think, are good components. Yes, Which sir. is, you know, why we kind of, tr- we try to break that down with a little bit culty because something can be a little bit culty, like. CrossFit can do one of those things. They can use emotions and shame you for not coming to class. Are they a full blown cult? Yeah, no. Does every CrossFit no. do that? And does every CrossFit do it? No. Can you leave without punishment? Which is one of the things that Stephen Hassan, one of the main criteria that makes a cult or not a cult. If you leave this group and you're not ostracized and people still say hi to you in the street, like, oh, we miss you at book club or, you know, whatever, that's a main way to determine whether something's a cult or not. But or just a little because, bit culty. Yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> if, like for example, the cross, CrossFit thing. If, if you if you are being shamed, it may not be a full blown cult, but you might not want to do CrossFit. Right. It just gives you a tool to go like, do I want to be shamed and sit on the porch for being late? Are they a cult? Are they branding people? Probably not. But I just I don't want to do it, mm-hmm. and that's okay. You don't have to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm personally not going to do it. I was invited to a a yoga class. I'm not going to say what type of yoga class by a friend who good friend of mine and she knows my story and she brought me there. I hope she's not listening to this, (laughs) 
Um, but it was more of a spiritual one. And she's like, this is totally not culty. It's not culty at all. But like, I just didn't want to spend an hour and a half doing mantras and chants and wearing a certain type of outfit because I didn't want to do it. And I said, I prefer hot power yoga. She's like, oh, that's your ego attached to exercise. And I go, maybe. Uh, but I just don't like it. I'm not, and I'm not going to ever do anything that I don't want to do ever again. And I think that's key, but very specifically about personal development. What are the red flags? Like I said, if you, if you can't leave without being shamed, ostracized or shunned, it's a major problem. If you feel pressured into signing up and there's like a 24 hour discount or like you have to do it within a time frame, it's a major red flag. And if there's a leader who is, everyone is idolizing and you, you can't question, like if you ask a question about the leader or something that's being said and you get punished or mm-hmm. shamed or um, called out in any way, that's a major red flag. Mm-hmm. And again, all these things are underneath the bite model as behaviors, but those are specific actual red flags to note um, in a, in a personal development type of thing. I think another Thing that's that's can be there's a lot of plausible deniability around certain behaviors that can occur in a in a seminar setting or even a podcast or like you know some community setting is that there's you you can always say oh that's just you know mm. it, things can be easily dismissed yeah. you can well, minimize just, we, abuse mm. yeah to minimize abuse i think ultimately if you have a feeling that's not you don't like it or you feel like there's um uh, you know th- some, some like gut instinct that something's not right, then that's a, a really just, I would just trust that. Yeah. Don't move past that. Yeah. You know? Don't, don't move I've, past it. And that's, that's the thing that's so dangerous in personal development. They can say that's just your resistance, yeah. you know, yeah, it gets like weaponized. If you, yeah. Well, if there needs feeling- to be different guardians at the gates in this community because, um, n- dark forces have infiltrate most hierarchies in history. At some point they bend, don't break if they're principled enough um this domain is had some dark forces cleverly weave its way in and it's done it through a lot of like the tactics maybe that we've seen before in history but not necessarily in our lives because the hierarchies are normally have a guardian at the gate and the abuses are pretty obvious when they happen these are different these are subtle these are nuanced and the guardians of the gate are using the kind of spiritual world with words and stuff like that to wrangle themselves into people's psyches. Oh, uh, so. and, and it has, you know, like, I feel like I've been talking about this very quietly starting 10 years ago because I was very uncomfortable because everybody, it, you know, just like we're talking about everybody, Todd and I live in this world and I write in this world and I've been, you know, I'm a yoga teacher and I have a lot of yoga, you know, stuff that stories to Sarah where people were just mm-hmm. telling me I wasn't working hard enough or mm-hmm. I wasn't. And, and it turns out the man that uh, that I was learning from who the, the the accreditation I was trying to receive was also abusing his students. And what, which do you mind saying which or you don't want to say? Uh, Anusara. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. John Friend, right? Yes. Yes. And so I was going through that whole process and of accreditation and a lot of money and a lot of time. And I never was in that circle, but I, that was what I was going through. That was the path. Can I, can I tell you a quick sidebar? Please. Please. I was on a yoga retreat in Costa Rica with a community that I don't, it's just sort of a, it's not a, it's not like Kundalini or Anasar or Bikram. It's just like, it does a bunch of different things. So it's like an what do you call that? Like a reform? Yeah. <laughs> non non-secular, secular yoga. Unitarian. That's what yes. we say in religions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we were there when there was a big group from Juva Mukti in the same place. Mm. And uh, Anandasara 
thing as the John friend thing was coming to light about, and I don't know if you know this because we haven't done a deep dive in little bit culty, but he's same kind of thing, like Mm -hmm. sexual, like a lot of women financial forward, Mm -hmm. financial, like a bunch of abuse. Oh, and by the way, Costa Rica is a red flag for me now. Oh yeah. So we're (laughs) in Costa Rica, but the point is that this was coming to light while we were there and we were still in Nexium at the time trying to recruit the women from this other group (laughs) thinking, well, we have an ethical leader and we Mm. actually will have a a great guru off. It was like a guru, but we didn't know that our guru was doing the exact same thing. It just hadn't been caught yet. But listen, we've done a couple of the yoga episodes. Every yoga branch, as far as I can tell, has uh, some sexual abusive fiend at the top. Well, think about it. If it's, it's a group, like if you're one of these guys and you, you're a con man and your objective is women, yoga is the perfect community for you to go in and go, oh my even God. Even if you're not a con man, even if you're not, like it sounds no, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if like you want to meet women, yoga is the perfect community. So this guy's like, what? But like, there's that other guy, um, Baptiste, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Who um, many, there's like podcast about him now. Um, we've been on, uh, on there as, as a guest and, and I know the person who knows him and, and she's like, he wasn't like that at the beginning. Mm, so I think it just like, even if it wasn't his whoa, plan, whoa, 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 whoa. no, no, no. He was like that the whole time. <laughs> well, she maybe. just didn't see him like Maybe. That. We don't know. No, but I'm saying no, it's as no, if people, no, wait, wait, no, no, we could no, disagree. No, 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 no. We could disagree. He didn't just become impulsive. No, no. What I'm saying is, is people like Keith Ranieri who've been plotting it out from the beginning. Yeah. Keith planned to do Nexium so that he could be yes. put on a pedestal. He followed. He went to uh, City Yoga, which is now like a- he did his homework. Hot, but he did his homework of how to become a guru. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Baptiste really wanted to be a yoga teacher and then enjoyed having like women throw himself at him. And then it got to his head. Like I could see the difference. There yeah. is a difference in my mind. I'm not saying one's <laughs> worse or better. I'm just saying it's not the same path. That's all. Don't you I think that um, as podcasts like yours come out more and more, that the gurus are going to get smarter. Like the whole, the term guru is it's, such a yeah, red flag. Such a red flag. They're going sure. to get really clever on to not use that word. Oh and, yeah. Um, Keith even said, I'm not a guru. I'm, I'm, he was like, well, this ultimately whole that has to thing. be your play, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to amp up what you think the guru is. And the guru would say this. Well, it's funny. I have a, right. so I, my first, uh, coaching certification was through Tony Robbins, and I did a Tony Robbins weekend, and I we walked on fire together. Walked on fire, and it was helpful. And um, but he had a documentary that I loved, and it's called "I Am Not Your Guru." But now I just see him <laughs> through a different yeah. lens than I once did, and it doesn't mean that he's an awful human being. Totally agree. But mm-hmm. it it I just see it a little bit differently now, and maybe that's age, maybe that's being informed, but. He also, well, the thing that, he also yeah, produced the thing that sticks out with, with Tony Robbins, you know, if we're going to talk about it, it, there's a lack of congruency versus persona and his emotional world to me, yeah. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel entirely authentic. And um, do your impression. A, <laughs> which one? He's <laughs> really good at impressions. You know, but which one do you, do you remember? Oh, yeah. When you're like, it's either your dad or your mom. You're... Oh, oh, when he had someone up there. Yeah. And. They weren't all in on the process, but now you're in front of 5,000 people, pressure, right? So it's like affecting your emotions, right? Uh, you've bought in, right? So behavior, like you have a buy-in. Um, he goes, so tell me, 
Are you fighting with your mom or your dad? And she's like, well, not, no, your mom or your dad. And like, really put the, put the bolts to her. Yeah. And she was like, my dad. He's like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And she starts crying. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. Didn't give her much wiggle room. Yeah. Didn't really elicit information from her to see like, you know, maybe it was. And maybe yeah. that's her haha that she's. Yeah. Well, that's you talk what she about, paid for. You that's talk, what she paid for. You talk right. about pressure. Like I remember in that documentary, the woman is having a hard time in a relationship, and he he's like, "Call her right now." Yes, yes, that was another one. Five thousand people call her, call your partner right now, and break up with him in front break of all these people. Her. And I'm just like, that was probably one of the most controversial parts of that documentary. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine your loved one goes off to a Tony Robbins to come back better and you, and you get dumped in front of 5,000 people on, on camera. The phone. Right. I know. Thanks, Tony. That's, that's, another red, that's another red flag. Like when we were, when we were in Nexium, we would say things like that. We were the gourmet version, Tony Robbins landmark. That was the McDonald's mm-hmm. of personal oh, development. At that because, point we were hooked on the con though. Yeah. Right? Oh no, no. And when we I'm were, saying when we were in it, when we were, yeah. when we were true believers, mm. that's how we described it. And I, to a degree, I still think it is like fast food because it's cheap, it's, it's cheap and cheerful. Not that cheap, actually. They can be really expensive, mm-hmm. but you can go to Tony Robbins and sit in the back and not get your yeah. stuff worked, mm-hmm. right? You, you can, if you were in Nexium, there was like 20, 15 to 40 people max in a room with almost as many coaches. It was almost one-to-one. So you were getting mm-hmm. whatever you came to work on, you'd get it worked. You could, it would be very well, difficult. You get it looked at. You get mm-hmm. at least get it looked at. You couldn't just yeah. sit on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, which is another thing that I feel is a red flag is that it's a bit of a money grab. Like you can't, and, oh, 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 my biggest red flag, Yanya Lalich would be so <laughs> mad if I didn't say this. A lot of the problems with the, many of these personal development programs is that people aren't trained. They're not accredited. Right. And, and even, even still like in, in what, like what did Tony Robbins do other than build this empire and then give you a certificate that like, and I'm not saying, I'm sure you're a great coach. And from what I've heard you say, you've got great things to say. But like, what does a Tony Robbins certificate mean in the world? Like, what's his background? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, maybe he does have a background. But a lot lot of these people, and I shouldn't say that because I actually have not researched what he actually did, but most of these people are not therapists and they're not counselors and they're doing really, really deep emotional stuff. Like Nippy and I were like digging around in people's psyches and I'm not a trained therapist. I happen to be the child of one. So I have a lot of tools in my tool belt, but I don't have a, I don't have any degree. Mm-hmm. That's dangerous when people are doing personal development work with non-professionals. Well, I if think. you have bad intent, it's even more. Intense. And if you have bad intent, it's even worse. Yes. And that's that's yeah. kind of where is like I, you know, and again, it's why this is also interesting to me. I'm like I'm like in Disney World right now talking about this. Like this is like everything that's important to me, and and I mean that not like in it's all fun. It's so hard. It's like so these lines, and that when mm-hmm. Todd started when he became a coach and he was starting to work with men about really big things and really big issues would come up. You you know, suicidality and these kind of things. And again, you know, Nippy White, I was asking about the jargon. There's a lot of language that they were using and mm-hmm. it would stress me out so bad. I'm like, Todd, these are like things that I've been a therapist 20 years and this is hard. Like this, this is a very slow, meticulous process. And you, and just like you said, Sarah, you don't dig into people's minds because you can really, and again, personally, I'm like going on a personal train. I worked with body workers my whole life and that I've had to back away from too, because I'm like, someone else is telling me what my body is saying. And again, I'm, I'm mm. all for, I think Reiki's great. I think it, this is why it's so hard to talk about. It's not mm. that it's not a good thing. It's that I have had 
great experiences and ones that are bad. And mm -hmm. so it's like you have to kind of figure out, you have to be sure. so careful with people's minds and bodies because you can mm -hmm. really shift the way that they perceive like the the teal swan that you guys focused mm -hmm. on and that and I had Todd watch that uh, documentary with me when you start to possibly implant memories or bring up something that we don't know for sure is that really what happened to this person but then their whole life becomes based on this belief that's so dangerous mm -hmm. it's really dangerous and I I again like I the, you just said with, with Tony Robbins, like, I don't think he's got bad intent. Like, I don't, I don't, think, he's a, I don't think he's, he's a bad just, guy. He's more enterprising than he is yeah. Uh, yeah. anything else. Yeah. Agreed. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with being nothing enterprising. Wrong. It's just, if it's in, the, it's a, if it's at the expense of someone's well being, yeah, for sure, then that's a problem. Um, yeah, it's, it, you're right. It is a very, it's a very complicated and we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and yes. say, there's no, there's no good coaching and there's no, like you want to, like well, the, we all want a community. Your, we want to be a point, part of something. We want to. Kathy, is yeah. the, I think the lines are being drawn. And yes. You have to have messy conversations to have yes. it, which is why the jargon question is, is, is relevant to me. Um, I could, I'll, I'll say something then I'll ask you what problems or, or challenges you're having, but the sure. thing that I was particularly sensitive to when I got out for whatever reason was boundaries and the manipulation of language. Yeah. And the reason the language is important, and this is kind of a, a barometer that I use when it is language and words are tools. And if there's a group of people that is dictating what you can and can't say, i.e. what words and tools you can use to express yourself, it's super fucking dangerous yeah. because it, sorry. That's all right. No, it's okay. Don't It's don't super don't. dangerous okay. because um, you're controlling the thoughts. Mm-hmm. So if I'm living in your, your tool belt to certain things you can think and, and talk about, you're not going to talk about it if you're not thinking it. So you see it a lot in, you see it a lot in politics right now. It's not a political statement. It's just be very sensitive to the force behind that's telling you what language and what tools you can use to, to converse with, because the best conversations, the ones that uh, force people to think and evolve more are normally messy. Yeah. Because people are arguing over how best to uphold a principle in the world. And the best thing come out of it. It took, I don't know how many, nine weeks in the dead of winter for people to come up with the Constitution because you're talking about words. You're laying a foundation. And, you're, and the principles are expressed through words. And so unless you're taking your jargon and telling people to go, I want them to think in this certain way and I want to limit their speech, mm -hmm. right? I don't think you have much to work about, except it might sound a little corny or it might sound like, you know, people don't like it or something like that. Like the, the problems you'll have will be superficial, but mm -hmm. unless someone says, ah, he's doing this. And is that, yeah. So it's yeah. interesting. So I, I am the executive director of an international men's organization and just a few things come to me as I hear you talking nippy, um, just some examples of, and, and I've been hypersensitive to jargon since Kathy has brought it to me, but I still think it seeps in without me even knowing. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, we do a check-in, right? I don't think is a check-in a jargony term. And then when you're done with your check-in, you say you're that I'm in, which means I'm done talking. It's a nice person to talk like, and then like, this does seem a little jargony to me. Like, you know, sometimes I'll, I have heard the term sacred silence or a sacred circle, like, and what I mean is like high regard to a circle of men trying to be the best version of themselves. And mm -hmm. then the last one is we're, we're coming up with these suggestions on, on our best ideas on how men can 
be the best version of themselves, you know, living consciously, living emotionally, living with candor, um, living with intention. And, and one of the ways that we uh, wanted to describe it as it was my idea is like the man box. So the man box is a term I've been using for I don't know, 10 years. And it describes the idea of, you know, in the man box, you are, your values predicate on how much money you have, how many girls you have sex with, how many trophies are in your trophy case. Mm-hmm. And my partner in the organization said, don't use man box, dude, that's jargony. And I'm like, but it's such a, it's two syllables that can, <laughs> it, it's, it's th- that those words are a tool to explain something very quickly that I don't have to explain in two paragraphs. But they both have their fingers. Go ahead. This is, this is my domain and my question, so excuse me. <laughs> okay, it sounds you like, go ahead, well, and then I'll I, comment. I'll make a distinction. Yeah. It sounds like, I wouldn't even call it a conflict, maybe the discussion is more about, you're setting up structures, practices, and rules, and a, and a, and a guideline for people to follow, as opposed to limiting people's speech and being a cult. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, I imagine he'll come. Here's a problem with the name and what it sounds like because he doesn't. It's not like you're abusing your power, and and these are these are things people squabble over. It's like yeah, titles. And, and just and so you like know, that. our our term that we're using right now is men living suggestions. We didn't want to call them men living foundational values. We didn't want to call them principles. Well, and Todd, even the thing that I was, I started putting my thumb down when, when people say, you know, they check in and they say, I'm in. And I was always on his case about why do they have to say that? And he's, he's like, they don't have to. And I'm like, okay, well, and as long then, as everybody knows they don't have to say I'm in, because there's something about that that feels like to, to belong. And because of that, I, since then I've said, you could say, I'm done talking. Like you could say okay. whatever you want. Right. Okay. I, I want to throw I, the conch back in the middle yeah. of the room. Yes. So you're establishing structure now. Yeah. And you're just, you're all those yeah. things I think are fine, actually. Yeah. I really do. I don't think the, I don't think the things themselves are a problem as long as, and I think what you could do to keep it in check yeah. for yourself. Weaponized. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about you. Like you're, you're clearly a good dude, right? <laughs> but like for the sake of yourself, and and also like if this thing gets taken over by somebody else who maybe not you, mm-hmm. you just want to maybe once a month or once a year or whatever, be like, okay, these are the things that we're doing. Are, is anyone uncomfortable with any of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and just, and do a, ch- do a check-in on that and mm-hmm. say, you know, cause you can say, you don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. Cause Keith would say that all the time. You don't have to do your, the, your goals. You don't have to do, go up the straight path, but there was a subtle pressure to do it. If you didn't do X, Y, and Z, you mm-hmm. couldn't X, Y, and Z. So there might be, there might, people might feel that might be a place where someone goes, you know what? I don't like saying I'm in cause it reminds me of boy scouts and having to like in this time that blah, blah, blah. And I felt uncomfortable. It's just more room for discussion and sharing. Yeah. And the checks and balances at the top are the, are the key thing. And going back to your other question about like, what are the red flags in personal development? If there's a leader that no one can, that there's, there's, there's no accountability for no that question. No questioning. There's no governing body, no board that's checking in. Sometimes there is a board, but they're also made up of like mm-hmm. people Patsies. that are being paid or yeah. like they're all having sex together or whatever. The thing mm-hmm. is, you know, like in the case of Nexium, the executive board was like at different stages, his yeah. harem, and then a couple of men who were who like didn't know what was going on. Anyway, um, does that make sense? Yes. So, like, if you can have people that are that are checking in and going, is any of this uncomfortable for people? If you know, and even when you introduce it, you know, we hear you can say I'm in, you could say I'm done, you can you could hold past the conch, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that is, a feather or a shell, mm-hmm. and you just pass it on. You don't have to speak. Um, and you can demonstrate that yourself too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say, like, I don't want to be stuck to one word and mm-hmm. have it be a thing. Cause the thing that 
that is one of the problematic things with words. And Amanda talks about this well in her book, Cultish, is that it creates an us and them. Yes. The people in the group have all this terminology, like what's your man box or whatever. Like the man box itself sounds like a good idea, you know, and you want people to have that self-awareness. And as long as you're clear on your intentions is I'm doing this. So men have the self-awareness of the things in their man box and how it limits them and all that stuff. But you don't want them walking around going like outside at parties, like, oh yeah, look, look at that guy and his like Porsche is totally in his man box. Mm -hmm. And the people who don't know what that is feel left out of that conversation. That's when it gets to be yeah. a problem. Thanks. Well, and that's kind mm -hmm. of what I've found with language, you guys, and you probably have too, and in, in all these cycles you've gone through is that language really, this whole like when you're working with jargon and cause I've been in a lot of jargon based communities and you feel really special and you feel cool and you feel like you have a lot of information and that people don't understand and you get it and they don't. And you see how things go in cycles and how, when really you can say something just very matter of fact, without all the big words, like the people who are using more, more big words, there's a, you feel like there's an insecurity around what they're offering. Cause they've got different language, you know? And then I always say to Todd, like, let's, let's move through the cycle where we're just using everyday language to explain something that might be, it might be mystical. It might be a mystery. It might be, um, something very grand, but we can just talk about it like human beings instead of like, and, and this is again, really tricky too. Cause I think people listening to the show probably think I have some jargon mm -hmm. because there's things I say that it becomes so normalized. Mm -hmm. Um, our household yes. has jargon. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Just we, we don't jargon in and of itself isn't bad. Right. It's also can save you so much time. Right. If you, every time you go, so what are the things that restrict you in your life that are valuable? Like, you know, man box. It's yeah. like, it's, it's just yeah. saves time. Right. So <laughs> like word salad. I love when you yeah. guys talk about words. Yeah. Like word salad is jargony. It's yeah. a, the jargon. And we even made like merch out of our jargon. Like, <laughs> and somebody might say we're being enterprising and I'm going to say, yeah, ZPR yeah. mugs. <laughs> yeah. We got them right. too. Um, yeah. Does it, again, making money isn't bad, right? Like having a jargon isn't bad. It's what, for what, and like, for whose gain and what's the goal and who's behind it and what are your true intentions? And that's the tricky part, the messy conversations. And, yeah. you know, because we want to be thoughtful about your time, because we know you got, you know, we're, we're coming to, if you can believe it, an hour already. <laughs> I, I know, like, can I, can you guys we come back every week? Um, yes. Is that, you know, you guys are parents, you have two sons, mm -hmm. uh, correct? And, yeah. and I know a lot of people I've listened to, you'd be interviewed and I've listened to your podcast and a lot of people are like, what are you going to tell the boys about Nexium? I'm less can, like thoughtful about that or, or, or curious about that as I am about what are like, you know, you're raising your sons and, and what, what are the things that you've learned from this experience where you're like, we have to make sure the boys understand A, B, and C, or these are the things that are most important to us um, so they are not manipulated by a system or that they continue to stay curious and think again about things? I think yeah. for me, it's get sensitive to the forces that are telling you what to do, how to think, and all those things. And as I'm super, super sensitive to that, schools, coaches, everywhere I go, I'm always kind of watching and and, and getting a sense of it. I think that's going to translate to our kids mm -hmm. somehow. We, we've and given that's them the some... That's the wisdom we've gotten from our story. And I think ultimately they're going to have that wisdom as a result of that. Mm -hmm. I agree. We have an interview coming up with a woman named Amy Saltzman who grew up in the sports world. Mm. And she might be actually good guest for you guys to have on because she wrote a book called how to spot a spider. Mm -hmm. And it 
it's, it's using kids' words to describe like a sociopath in the format of a coach. So there's very specific things like, you know, if they start out with a love bombing and they, you know, this person, whether it's a coach or a older friend or a scouts leader or whoever is taking someone under their wing, that in and of itself isn't bad, right? But right. the kid has to be aware of that then flips to um, feeling criticized or, um, you know, put under the microscope in some way of, with that person, they're trying to get back into their good graces. Um, is it, that's, you know, that's a pattern that we need to teach kids to look out for the, the grooming period, the yes. love bombing, and then the criticizing, and then trying to, to win that person's affection or attention. This happens a lot in sports, but ultimately I think just in life, like never mind cults teaching our kids that if they don't want to do something, and their gut saying like, it's not the right thing to do, whether it's like all the kids are getting into a car and one of them has been drinking and they're like, it's fine. I just run the block and like no big deal. And they're like, no, my parents taught me not to drink and drive or get into a car that they feel like strong enough in themselves to, you know, so that's like peer pressure, right? We all know about peer pressure, but like, that's ultimately what happens in these group settings, like in, in cults. And then especially with Nexium, like, I didn't want to wear a sash. I, I was like, that's, that's weird. I don't want to do that. Yeah. But like everyone else is wearing a sash and they're wearing a sash and like, okay, maybe it's like not that big of a deal. So that's like a, that's my, that was my, one of my weaknesses for sure. Like I, I tried smoking for the same reason when I was 14 because everyone else Which is doing is it. It's such a typical thing. Important distinction too, is like <clears throat> someone you trust may be telling you to do it, but you have to consider they were kind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was just something I didn't consider. Right? I didn't consider they were conned. Um, so. It's so true. And, you know, these things start really early, you know, with parenting because some of them are done, again, um, with without malintent. You know, like you have a three-year-old mm -hmm. who has separation anxiety and they don't want to go in the party. And you say, just do what all the other kids are doing. Go ahead in the mm -hmm. party. See, all these right. kids are fine. So you be fine. But then you're curious at 13 why your kid is getting into cars with other people without considering yeah. it's because there's been this subtle messaging really early about... Mm -hmm. um, don't trust yourself. Don't trust yourself. Right. Like, just right. go ahead. Everybody else is doing it. Go ahead. And again, that is never our intent as parents no. is to to tell them to not listen to themselves, but we're frustrated in the moment. I had, you know, my two oldest kids who are now 19 and 17 totally never wanted me to leave their parties. They didn't want me to leave their, you know, any of their lessons. They're like, stay here. They didn't want me to leave their dentist appointment. I one time had to sit on the ground and like hold their hand while they were getting, but just listening to them and, you know, not disregarding and looking around yes. the room. But just yeah. listening. Their feelings yeah. are so important. And like, that's something my parents definitely taught me is to not like fix, like if something, one of my kids are upset and be like, well, just do this. You'll be fine tomorrow. Like, no, I, I see it. I yeah. see that you're really frustrated right now. Yeah. And I get it. And I remember being that frustrated when my blah, 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 and acknowledging and making their feelings valid. I, that's really key. I, I think that um, at your mission statement about um, the kids, I don't know the exact Best quote, predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Right. So when I heard that, I think that was one of the main reasons I think we said yes, is because our journey of understanding what happened to us in this, in this situation has been our wisdom. And that's what, you know, the podcast is all about. And I think that if we have that and we can translate that to our kids in different ways, then they're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And they'll learn more about it at different stages. Like Troy knows that Keith is in jail and mm -hmm. he was a bad person and we helped put him there. Um, and that it was really hard. It was a really hard thing to do, but we, we stood up against that and that was the right thing to do. And he's, he's pretty, he doesn't know the details, but he's proud of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Of course, of course. And and so yeah. am I. Like I and again, <laughs> I started saying this before we started recording and I'll have an intro at the beginning, too. But you guys have been such an influence on me. And you're so I'm not going to cry. But I could. I cry like <laughs> Sarah right. does. I know we cry. On the, I, I listen to you. I'm like, I cry on the show, too. But I had a really, really hard time with there was a lot of things going about even like the 2016 election. And that's when I started listening to Mike and Leah's podcast, it, you know, their, their Scientology podcast. And Sarah, you came on their podcast and you said, Nippy and I are starting our own podcast called A Little Bit Culty, which everybody needs to listen to because it is about cults, but it's about so much more. I really encourage everybody to listen. And I, it's the first podcast I listen to every week. It's on Mondays. Um, I've missed you guys this summer, even though you've posted mm-hmm. some of your interviews. And I can't tell you how much I have, um, uh, I talk about you guys all the time. It's uh-huh. really, and Thank you. my girls. You're, you're going to love our season five. Oh, I can't wait. Like, good, and my girls know who you are and they know what impact you've had on me. And what, and why I keep saying this is because you guys are so strong. There's been a lot mm-hmm. of things that I've had to stand up for and I have, but it's been hard and I felt alone. And I'm like, if these two can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, there's an inspiration yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And, and ongoing, like I'm like, if they can do this, I can, you know, and so and I, so you're like, you're like part of my brain, mm-hmm. you know, you two and Leah and Mike. And um, it's just, I just am so grateful. Mm-hmm. So just thank you for well, thank you. being those thank people. Thank you for your support. That means oh, a lot. That means a lot. That yeah. makes it all worth it. Oh, it does. It's the best. Especially to know that the teenagers have a sense of this. Because, oh, yeah. you know, I feel like if I could have circumvented some things in my teenage life and dropped in some knowledge back then it'd be a very different trajectory me too and that's why i share the you know these stories with my girls i've had abusive relationships i've been in a yoga community that's difficult i've had a body worker that was not things were not okay i've had so but i'm also trying to teach them to live in the mystery and to appreciate spirituality and to trust their intuition these are very interesting parenting things and i would and again i'm not trying to put you guys on the spot but i'd love to have you back sometime to talk more about parenting because these are i just feel like you two are two of the people out there in the world that are dealing with some of the same things todd and i are in a different you know different Mm -hmm. like you know expertise areas like you guys have so much information over here that i don't have and i just i think parents need to understand because like you said nippy this is leaking into things that we used to think it could not leak into right and right. we need to have our eyes open and our hearts open, but also have some critical thinking online. Um, oh, and everybody, we're not, no one's really, I don't know if anyone's really watching, but listening, Sarah's book, Scarred, which I got immediately on Kindle when it came out. Um, we are going to give this book away. Um, we're going to post something on Instagram and people who, um, you know, comment or share or whatever, someone is going to get Sarah's book. Um, it's wonderful. Talk about, you know, going in depth into how this experience like came to be. And then... Sweetie, will you read the title oh, and sure. then the subtitle? The True Story of How I Escaped Nexium: The Cult That Bound My Life. Mm-hmm. And it has a picture of Sarah on the front, the picture that was on the New York Times um, with her scar where she was branded. Um, and Sarah, is that scar gone? Yes, I had it removed. Good for you. I had plastic surgery a couple of years ago. Good for you. Yeah, that's wonderful. That felt really good. Well, I have a million more questions, but Nippy, thank you so much. I think You're that welcome. you have been such an, like I said, such an inspiration in so many ways too. And I just think about you so similarly that I do my husband, you know, um, and we I, balance each other out. Yeah. I have a feeling that you two balance each other out quite oh, well. Oh, yes. So we do. Do we. And I yeah. heard that in your, in your 
banter. And uh, th- there is something that you had a question about that I have to tell you. OG also means original gangster. I yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Sarah, I finished. I went upstairs. I go, I'm going to get so much crap because it actually <laughs> is original gangster. And I was saying like old guard, like talk about Which being like. Which probably does too. Actually, that's not bad. I like old guard. Oh, yeah, old, old guard. guard. Old guard and original gangster. Well, and Kathy is somebody who takes pride in pop culture and knowing certain things. Right. And the fact that she missed on that one, it bothers her i get embarrassed todd i'm sure you got it's not gonna get any easier there's no way you could blow dry kathy's hair oh yeah i've been catching hell for that one yeah and you guys are probably right it's just why would you try that (laughs) you missed the conversation nippy and also nippy does not notice when i've blow dried my hair or when i just let it blow naturally or if i've dyed my hair or cut my hair i dude i totally Last week. <laughs> um, my favorite is when I've done nothing and Todd's like, oh, you got a haircut. Here's I'm my like, problem. No, no, no. My problem is I think done women nothing. look sexiest when they have a baseball hat on with a ponytail coming out of a yoga class. Like, yeah. That's fair. That, yeah, that's, that's, what you guys sh- that's what you guys should be wearing to cocktail parties. Exactly. I would be like, yes. I would go to the cocktail party. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. I know. And, and that's the thing. Again, balance, right? That's the thing yeah. I love most about him is my husband is very, it's everything is very just, you know, natural and, and we should be in our emotions. We should be in who we are. But then when I do enjoy getting Notice. dressed up occasionally, Notice, I, I will say, sakes. I'll say, say something to your woman about, you know, I'm you did Friday good. night. I, like, I said it Friday here night. Here I am. I said, and I, I did said, my hair. And I said something like, we're going to be late or something stupid. <laughs> so. Well, you guys. I, I do love how uh, you give each other feedback uh, and that great. you're, you both want to grow. I mean, Nippy and I wouldn't be together if we yeah. couldn't do that. That's think. why, so that's like, why we, that's why people come together to evolve with each other. So. Yeah, exactly. And that's why your story is especially, and again, um, everybody, another two things. If you haven't seen The Vow on HBO, please go watch The Vow. You will then feel like you are best friends with Sarah and Nippy mm. and understand why I feel this way. And then The Vow Part two is coming out in October, correct? October 17th. Are you guys going to be in that one too? We will. Not as much, much, I don't think. Not as featured. We'll be sort of on the sidelines in this one, which is totally fine. Which is great, actually. (laughs) You know, we've just moved. We've got our two kids. Yeah. We're parenting and just balancing and all. I do also want to mention um, that they can, people can find us over on our Instagram, a little bit culty. And also there's the hashtag I got out movement, which we talk Mm. about a lot in our podcast. If people are resonating and they want to share their their story that they can do that um, through that the hashtag. That's a really powerful moment. Well, let me close just by saying uh, one of my friends gave me this tip, and I like because I he's a he's a person that uh, was one of my teachers, and I'm like, dude, I look up to you. He's like, I don't like that. He's like, if 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 you um, if, if there's something that you think is attractive to me, just say that I inspire you. But looking up to is a hierarchy. So right. I will say. Sarah and Nippy, you both inspire me to be the best version of myself. And mm-hmm. thank you so, so much. And who knows, maybe we could have you back if you guys are so willing. For but sure. We'd love, We'd love it. it. And thank that you. really means a lot. And it's, it really is, it's motivating for us to know that love we have that kind of person too. that reach. If you ever come to Chicago or if you, if we go right. through Atlanta or wherever it is. Please. You live, yeah. So. I've actually never been to Chicago. It's on my list. Please come. It's great. Don't, it's don't, wonderful. Yeah. Talk about, you know, people, sometimes our city gets, you know, put down. It's a beautiful, wonderful place and so we have nothing but respect listen when we told people we're moving to atlanta they're like why why and then people all you hear about chicago is what's going on exactly. in the news. so yeah you know. so well i don't listen more. to the news so i don't know what's happening Maybe there you, you don't even have later. to the, yeah. you're not you missing much. the news is yeah. not the news the news is the no. 10 worst stories no. of the day and i'm guessing sarah <laughs> totally. you agree with that so. i feel that's why i yeah. just got which is why podcasts stuff. are so important yes. boom. boom oh oh i forgot to mention 
I'm wearing this for the first time. My mom just sent me this. It's got a T and an A for Troy and Ace. So it's my parenting necklace. Oh, that's wow. lovely. Nice. nice. Where's mine? Right. <laughs> Would you wear yes. this? There's no, there's no N on there. Um, and tell me really quick, Troy is how old? Troy's eight, eight. and Ace is Ace three. Three. Okay, you guys are in it. So just yeah, we, are. we we love you. We're here whenever you need anything. Thank and you. if ever you need anything. And I know we we'll cannot talk again. wait to read your book. Yeah, it's on its way. Amazing. Right. Thanks, Lots guys. of love. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Take Very care. important. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book, or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.